Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard, here with you on a wonderful Tuesday afternoon, ready to talk some Bucks, ready to talk some NFC South, with our guest, the one and only Ben Solak of the Draft Network and of Locked On NFL Draft. But before we do that, as always, and we have do have a full slate of, of topics to discuss today, including what this NFC South super team that Ben and our friend Trevor Sikama have compiled looks like. We'll get into that in a second and why the NFC South might be the, be- the best of their divisional super teams. But before we do that, got to talk about and shout out my friends over at Celsius. Drinking the Orange Sickle again today. It's my favorite. Whenever I drink it, I feel like I just got to go back to the Orange Sickle well kind of over and over again because it is it is my favorite flavor, I think. But it's great stuff from the Celsius Eat line. No sugar, energy drink that doesn't have the letdown, doesn't have the drop-off. Uh, clinically proven. Uh, it's a dietary supplement. It helps you to burn fat and accelerate metabolism, and it tastes Great. I love that about the Celsius. And guess what? Uh, There's an opportunity for you to get some Celsius of your own. Uh, Obviously, you can go to Celsius.com and do that as you is that Pewter Report podcast listeners. If you love Celsius and we know the majority of you do, we've got a special opportunity coming up later in the show that you're going to want to stick around for an opportunity to win a case of your favorite Celsius energy drink flavor as well as the hottest and tastiest new protein bar on the market. Fun and exciting stuff with Celsius, as always. We had a bunch of people sign up for this giveaway, and I will talk more about that giveaway later in the show, as I always do. But first, got to bring in our friend, Ben Solak. Ben, can you hear me okay, man? What's up, John? How you been? I am doing great, man. Ben, for those of you who don't know, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the hosts of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. And on this podcast, Ben... We have a topic that we must get into. I was very excited when I saw you kind of tweet out. You and Trevor came up with basically super teams from each division. Mm-hmm. And you said, okay, here's where you'd like drafted the best team basically from the four teams in each division. And then you kind of stacked them up against each other. And you kind of said, okay, we're doing this bracket. Now they're going head to head. We're doing this bracket uh, tier type of of, 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 um, of competition between these teams virtually obviously not i wish it was real you should have played the games out in madden was there any consideration so there, was, that? there were listeners who did do it uh i don't know i don't know what the results was i didn't, I didn't check it but trevor was was coordinating with them i haven't played a madden game since donovan McNabb was on the cover so i i didn't even know you can make teams in madden until like this past week but we had listeners who did it yeah yeah, I also have not played Madden yeah. for a very long time. I definitely have not played Madden in the range of time in which something like that you've was been possible. able to do that, right? Right. Like, Trevor's like, yeah, you just import the teams. I was like, what do you, what do you, you import you, the teams? Yeah. Like, how does this happen? They're not. It's not a real team yet, Trevor. Yeah. Like, so whose idea was this? What was the kind of the genesis behind? It's just like fun off season stuff. I mean, you have podcasted with trevor before you know this was trevor's idea you're asking oh, me true. but you know it was trevor this is true yes i just saw on the schedule nfl antarctica invitational and i was like all right well, <laughs> trev's gonna explain this to me at some point uh right and trev's it, like you know to say that it was oh we made super teams from the division is true but for trevor it was uh world cataclysm apocalypse 
<laughs> Earth needs to be repopulated, or at least population needs to be redistributed. We need to encourage people to move down to the unpopulated seventh continent that is Antarctica. How are we going to do it? We're going to host a one-year NFL Invitational <laughs> featuring eight super teams from each division. And so... What an uh, incredible premise. Right. <laughs> classic right like it wouldn't have been enough to just be like let's just see what the best teams each division right. like, no we gotta, the fate of the world's got to be at stake uh and so right so that, that that was the idea i got to name the teams after antarctic and creatures and, and regions which means i also learned about antarctic and geography which was fun um, so you right. were researching antarctica to do this <laughs> not like like not like intentionally like at first i was like oh we should name the team that's the penguins that's fun and then like fast forward five teams and I'm like learning about treaties signed during the Cold War to make sure that nobody put nukes in Antarctica because this was a legitimate concern. Uh, so regardless, uh, right, we, we, we draft those eight teams. And the fun part was uh, not only talking through some of the positional battles, uh, seeing what positions are strong across all divisions and what aren't you know you kind of get an appreciation for just how good the afc east's corners are when you go and look at all the other divisions you yeah. know what i mean so understanding how teams build within their division to beat the teams in their division because as you very well know every nfl team sets that priority in in the summer of we're going to win our division and so they like to build to beat their division uh being able to go through that and kind of think about how we would we would construct teams to deal with playing in like a super tournament like this and like going up against all-stars like what can you do creatively to put together a roster it's right it's fun J june thought experiment stuff yeah that's great did not was there weather considerations given to these lineups when they were no selected? so that's in a down uh and also trevor turned injuries off which at oh, okay. my whole first day which was the nfc south i was like all right gotta be prepared for injuries and trevor was like nope no one's getting hurt in like sub-zero temperatures which i tried to argue the science of this but he didn't care uh and that also that does make it fun because it's so difficult to to, to right. know where a guy's gonna be out with injury but yeah no weather considerations given it's all 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 in a dome, so we don't have to worry about noodle arms and the uh the dangerous high winds of Antarctica. I was gonna say, I remember Josh Allen probably would have been the first pick because I just right, remember yeah. how big a deal that arm strength to cut through the wind in Buffalo was. Mm -hmm. That was very important. Prime Antarctica player for sure. Okay, so to give people a better idea of what we're talking about, because some people they might they might have some clue. I think we've explained it somewhat, but some 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 people might not know exactly what we mean. So basically, what you guys did was you went through and you kind of. You took like the players in the NFC South and you just drafted who's the best quarterback in the NFC South and you yep. drafted them. And obviously that was Tom Brady and that probably didn't take a lot of deliberation, but some other positions probably did uh, even in the NFC South. I mean, running back, let's just start there. For example, you only chose one running back for the starting lineup for the NFC South and you chose Christian McCaffrey and not Alvin Kamara. How was that? What was that process like? Would you guys go head to head and, who, how do you break the tie yeah. if you guys saw it? So that win? process was, dang, this is not possible. Who do we want to pick? You know what I mean? When it's McCaffrey and, and, and Kamara, it's all right. You can't make a dual threat argument because they're both unbelievable dual threats. You can't make a, oh, this guy's only, you know, kind of like a, a pass catcher gadget they're both unbelievable between the tackles runners. Right. Uh, and then obviously with injuries off, now, you know, the calculus of like McCaffrey coming off of major injury, whereas Kamara tends to have nagging injuries, isn't a conversation anymore. And so, right, it becomes, what is it you want to do? I think that we, in anticipation of the difficulty of getting any other Carolina Panther on the team, edged McCaffrey just to get the representation from Carolina, right. Right. Uh, which wasn't actually supposed to be part of the calculus, but 
yeah. you end up doing it because you're splitting hairs at that point. I mean, we had, especially when Julio was in the division still, we had the same problem at wide receiver where it was like, all right, do you want, yes. you know, we got like, five tier two wide receivers in this division. You pick, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it, it, it is annoying to be limited like that or, or to have to make those decisions because Kamara absolutely should be on the team. He's one of the five best backs in the league. He just happens He's, to be in the division. Right. Another yeah. one. So, yeah. There you go. Uh, who okay? So let me go outside the NFC South for a second because the whole mm-hmm. exercise fascinates me, and I haven't looked at all the rosters yet on purpose, kind of because I want okay. to be naturally surprised by some of. That. I've looked at the South, obviously, um, but who was like? Does a player stand out to you as like the worst player to make this team? Yeah. Like, obviously, they're super. Yeah, yeah, no. So we had that conversation okay. uh, in in the NFC East. We had to draft Michael Parsons to play linebacker. Because there's no, there's no linebackers in the NFC East. Right? That's so, true. Jalen Smith and Lane and Van Der Esch are obviously there in Dallas, and they're both big names. So they both really struggled yeah. last year. The Eagles obviously have nobody. Uh, yep. The Giants brought in Blake Martinez to be, you know, tackle black hole. But everybody kind of knows what right. Blake Martinez is as a player. And then with uh, Washington, they let Kevin Pierre-Lewis go, and so you have Cole Holcomb, who we got on the yep. team as well. Uh, wow, good, good good coverage linebacker. Cole, Cole, uh, Cole Holcomb is legitimately like a pretty solid coverage backer. It's just he's a, he's a laid down player. Uh, and then, right, John Bostick. And so right. it was like, all right, we're either going to take John Bostick and Blake, or Blake Martinez or actually take a swing here. Uh, yeah. And we did with Michael Parsons. We also, in the AFC West, had to take A.J. Johnson to play linebacker as well. Wow. Uh, which, again, A.J.'s not a bad player. No, it's just, no, no. That's a little AJ, bit better. but Yeah, he's A.J. Johnson. But right. – Drew Tranquil, Kenneth uh, Kenneth Murray from from the Chargers. Yeah, the Chiefs have no idea what they're doing. Uh, just yeah. let Damian Wilson right. walk, and then the Raiders write big money on Corey Littleton, oh. Nick Witowski, and Yikes. both of them were super rough last year. Yeah, so linebacker tended to be the spot where super weird players got in. We had to get like Jack Doyle for tight end in the AFC South too. You know what I mean? But like again, like yeah. he's like kind of a fine player. So yeah, there were definitely a few where we. We noted it. The other, in really fact, funny all those all those linebackers are probably ranked. PFF probably has them all ranked over Devin White, though. So there is that. So. Right, yeah, but either way, <laughs> the the best part was reading the quarterbacks because the quarterbacks go: Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Ryan Tannehill. Because <laughs> in the AFC South, yep. barring what's happening with Deshaun Watson, who you know I don't really think is a legitimate candidate to be playing yeah. football anytime soon, Trevor Lawrence. Gardner Minshew, Carson Wentz, and Ryan Tannehill. Right. So, Might have just gone with, I mean, Tannehill is good, though. I'm glad you went with him and didn't go with Lawrence, although I would have right. understood just it's being just, like, oh, The right. names are just so funny because every name right. you're like, oh, my God, a guy to worry about. And then it's Ryan right. Tannehill. And you're just like, oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, AFC, maybe dunks on everybody yeah. this year with Julio, but who knows? AFC South was our lowest seed, I want to say comfortably, oh, if memory yeah. serves. Just that makes sense. Not not a good division. Right, right. All right, let's jump back to the NFC South for a second. You had this wide receiver conversation that everybody mm-hmm. wanted to talk about. Did you have the conversation when Julio was there, or had he had already been traded at that point? We had the conversation when he was there, and he was on the team. And thankfully, when we were having that conversation, we also talked about who would have been like first out for us. Okay, not even thinking about a Julio trade, but just like because there's so many names to mention. Right, and we agreed that. You know, we had Mike Evans and we had Michael Thomas. Then Julio was our third. Well, he was our second or whatever, but Julio was on the team. And then that big conversation then was Chris Godwin and Calvin Ridley. And we landed on saying we'd probably take Godwin as as the fourth spot if we wanted that fourth spot. Lo and behold, Julio gets traded two weeks later, thankfully, before we like did the brackets and did the voting and whatever. Uh, And so we we 
Pop Tulio into the uh, the AFC South, which, mm. you know, shout out, I think, did we take out DJ Chark? I can't remember. We took out somebody who definitely, no, 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 mm. DJ Chark was still on there. Uh, but Julio went to AFC South, and then we put uh, we put Godwin into the NFC South, which, again, Calvin Ridley's doggone good ball player. Uh, and, and Calvin yeah. very well could have himself a ludicrous season now in Atlanta. But Godwin is, uh, even for some of the injuries he dealt with last year, and, you know, kind of the growing pains with Tom Brady and whatever, right. Godwin's just too talented. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's super interesting to me because it'll 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 uh, dovetail nicely into my conversation that I'll be holding next week on Bucks Briefing and then a podcast after, I'm sure, to address uh, any questions from fans. But next week for Bucks Briefing on Tuesday for my column, I will be writing about Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, who is better. Fans have asked me this consistently. Mm-hmm. Bucks fans, non-Bucks fans, who is better, Chris Godwin or Mike Evans? I have kind of said, oh, they're different, and I've been a coward. Right. And I have, I have sat on the fence. Yeah, and been that, a coward. that would be my answer, right? Which right. obviously, like, I don't sit down in the box like you do. But who's got who's better, Goblin or Evans? Apples and oranges, man. You can't get different. You can't get so different in terms of two wide receivers than Godwin to Evans. Just different games. Mm-hmm. So you just say that yeah. and then run away. That's what I would do. That's what I've done. But now, I, you know, today I really went back. I, I poured over the stats. I've obviously watched and rewatched the tape. And I've looked at my scouting categories, actually, for wide receivers that oh, yeah. I use. And I've kind of run them through that. And I feel pretty confident about the conclusion I've reached, which I will write about on Tuesday. And I will not let anyone know. But you can react to it naturally when you see it on Tuesday, Ben, uh, next Tuesday, a week from Knowing today. Knowing what you like, I think I know who it is. Oh, do you? Tuesday. Yes, I do. Okay. You just think I like to start stuff, don't you? <laughs> no, I just think I know. Listen, you know I, what I like? Ain't I know what you absolutely. I, I remember your wide receiver draft takes <laughs> for the last couple of years. So I think knowing what you prioritize, I think I could guess who it is. But right. that'll be for the people later. That's right. Yep. And I'll have a detailed breakdown of why. But that discussion to me is fascinating because the recency bias with Michael Thomas, no matter how much you're aware of recency bias in your head, it's hard to get away from it when it comes to splitting hairs on really good players, right? Like Calvin Ridley was the most productive wide receiver in this division last year. Mm-hmm. There are probably some Falcons fans that want Ridley over one or two or maybe three of these guys. I mean, that's probably how they feel about it. Obviously, you get into other fans and they're going to be like, oh, Evans has been around longer. God, we, we know these names a little bit better. But Calvin Ridley, without Julio for some of the year, was legitimately really good for Atlanta and has a case and an argument to be on this team as you said and i believe you chose the right three but clearly calvin ridley was way better than michael thomas last year and michael thomas was obviously hurt and then playing hurt and had all kinds of stuff going on off the field with his teammates and it was a mess but that probably makes it really difficult not just specifically with this position but in general when you came to things where recency bias probably made it hard to like figure out are we going with the most recent version of this player because like michael thomas was in everybody's top five going into the year now, like, mm-hmm. how much does recency bias affect how we see Michael Thomas? Yeah, no, I, I remember writing about Thomas's game during the season. There was some quote he gave about, like, being the wide receiver one or what it is to be a wide receiver one or whatever during the season, which mm-hmm. Michael Thomas gives a lot of quotes. So sometimes it's <laughs> tough to remember. Um, but he gave a, a quote about, like, this prototype, this idea of what it is to be a wide receiver one in his game. And I went and I watched him, and it's, man, like, there's – I think he's probably pound for pound, right? Like, you know, barring 240 pounds or like Mike Evans, 230 pounds, whatever. During pound for pound, he's probably the most physical receiver in the league. And that lets right. him do so much crazy stuff. But also, uh, you cannot 
put yourself into that upper echelon of wide receiver, that top yeah. tier of wide receiver play. If you're not at, at this current stage in, in the NFL meta, generating massive explosive plays, which he doesn't right. do. Uh, he right. doesn't do it with Yak, he doesn't do it downfield. And so if you're the best possession receiver in the league, that's awesome. But in the framework of just your ability, just your talent, once you widen the framework to how much am I helping a team? Right. How much does my target assist our team and our goal to go score a touchdown relative to a Stephon Diggs target or Julio Jones target or a whatever, you know, whoever you want to talk right. about target. It's, it's less than. And so it, it, it is tricky. It's, it's, it's a little bit similar to the conversation around positional value and it's okay. Mm-hmm. If you're the best linebacker in the league, do you impact the defense as much as the fifth best corner in the league? Mm-hmm. Probably not. And that's why the fifth right. best corner gets paid more. And so with Thomas, it's, I, I believe very strongly he's one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. Value changes the question. And his mm-hmm. talents don't lie where value lies for wide receivers, which makes him a difficult conversation. With that said, I'm happy he got in there because I think he deserves it just for how well he plays the game. So did you argue for Godwin over him then because of the argument which you're laying out here now for value at wide receiver? My, I wanted to get Mike Evans in for sure. Right. And then uh, obviously I think, I think Julio was kind of like a no brainer as we were going through it. Yeah. And then I wanted Thomas at three. And it's okay. like, it's like I said, it's because of just how talented he is. There are very few receivers, at least in my limited memory of like, you know, going through guys uh, that play the game the way he does. And because he presents that, that unique play style, he is a difficult cover because mm-hmm. you as a corner have to change your paradigm for how you play the game when 13 is lined up against you mm-hmm. because just other receivers do not come at you the same way. And right. that's the, the basis of Thomas's, you know, image of himself and his wide receiver one status. Is that like, mm-hmm. he can really take it to corners in a way that not a lot of receivers can. So I was fine with him on there. Uh, he had a little, right. He had a, a downer year. Same thing is true of Godwin. Uh, and so it, it's difficult to, to like be able to say with your chest, like, Oh, this guy's on this certain arc or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who I wanted to make sure we got on because of his arc is Mike Evans. Cause you can't have five, 1000 receiving yard seasons in six years. And then, Oh, other guys are more talented. You're just a jump ball guy. Yeah. But he's the most ludicrously consistent jump ball guys ever existed. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So Evans was, was the guy that I, I, I was determined to get on. And then Thomas Godwin and Ridley is, is a hard conversation. Right. Yes. I, I, I agree. That's a hard, it's a hard conversation between all those guys. The value conversation is interesting when you compare mm-hmm. Godwin and Thomas and you, as you talk, I'm kind of, my wheels are spinning and I'm like, maybe yeah. I include Michael Thomas in this conversation too, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Cause right. And that's the, the thing is conversation like, comes up a lot because yeah. Chris Godwin is per target. I mean, he's one of the surest things in the league. He creates yeah. plays down the field, his contested catch rate, dwarfs frankly mike evans even over the last mm-hmm. two years i mean it's a, like there's really not anything chris godwin doesn't do at a really good level that's what yep. makes him it makes him when you talk about value that matters right because like what you're saying about like per target on a per target basis plus ability to create splash plays uh in in ability to score touchdowns you know and he's a little more after the catch probably i don't know thomas to me has always been kind of underrated after the catch even at ohio state but yeah, he's, not, he's done. He doesn't really run away from anybody, right? right. And that's how you got to be able to, if you're a wide receiver, create explosives out of the catch. You got to be able to run away from guys. You None of those guys tackle. in the South are really run away from. Yeah, right? yeah. DJ yeah. Moore, maybe, if you get to that 
Bridge. Yeah, which, right, we didn't even mention DJ Moore, which maybe has Panthers fans upset, but Panthers <sighs> fans feel a certain way about DJ Moore that I just cannot get my head around. It's not that he's bad, but come on. <laughs> yeah, it's just right. Let's, 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 let's be honest about where he is. Yeah, yeah like we just got to be realistic, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, uh, we got some questions here. Actually, I do want to give a shout out. Ben Stoltz says, just finished his LSAT and crushed it. So happy to spend the afternoon with you all. Pump for you, Ben. That's awesome stuff, man. Glad you shared that with us. I appreciate that. Um, Ren wants to know, our friend Ren Dax wants to know, for a $5 super chat, we appreciate you, Ren. Thank you. Ben's Drew Lock analysis is spot on. Ben's fruit takes are bad. But calling the song Two Steps Twice oh, a wow. hype song or slapper is beyond unforgivable. <laughs> Firstly, shout out Ren for being very aware of my opinions on things. Uh, that was three things. Aware. Um, Two Steps Twice is an unbelievable song. It's a tremendous hype song. There's a reason Foles closes all of their sets with it. Uh, they wouldn't close their sets with a song that doesn't have ungodly hype. I disagree. There you go. There's your retort, Ren. <laughs> Ren will not give up this argument, by the way. We will receive several other comments from Ren. If I Good. Know. Listen, every time it comes to $5, that's what I want to see. There you go. <laughs> Arif Hassan, I don't know if you've heard of this guy or not. Oh he says, God. why is Ben Shapiro talking about the NFC South? Yeah, Great I had game, Eric Crocker way. today compare me to that kid who played the Nazi in Knives <laughs> Out. I just don't like, why do I got to look like every awful white, dude, white person? Like, it's just, I need something, man. I was thinking about this. Like, I just need I don't know if it's just like a haircut or so. I need something that's defining about my appearance that will separate me from all these other like clean shaven, regular hair, skinny white men who are awful people. I've never seen you get compared. Like you've been compared to more people than mm-hmm. anyone I've seen it, period. Like anywhere. <laughs> it's because there's a lot of very boilerplate, I guess, white dudes <laughs> who try to get really prominent positions in in whatever no i um remember when i called you five from uh the umbrella Academy? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i uh i had a lift driver in carolina say that i i looked like tom holland it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me and so now i just tell people that i'm like yeah everybody says i look like tom holland <laughs> one person <laughs> has said that i look like hey, tom it's holland. not that far off we're just gonna right we're just gonna ride that as far as we can yeah. i was i was i was all uh dolled up for joe marino's wedding that's why i was looking good so you go that's funny. No, I, I get a kick out of that. That's hilarious to me. But um, yeah, okay. So back to this NFC South conversation. Tight end was easy for you, right? Rob Gronkowski, yeah. this was a quick one, right? It was honestly hard because at first I forgot Gronk was still under contract. In my head, he was just a one-year <laughs> deal, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, Gronk was easy. Uh, the, people also laugh because when we put up the screenshots of all the teams, every player had their full name except for Gronk, who we just wrote Gronk. And I didn't so, even like think about editing that to be correct. Um, but yeah, no, Gronk was an easy one. Uh, I remember tackle being a little bit tricky. I was going to say, yeah, not having Tristan Wirfs in here. And I know you got two good ones. No question. Tron yeah. Armstead, Ryan Ramchick. Was it just like, it's only been one season. So we're just gonna. Yeah, it was, but it was Trevor who was pushing that. I wanted to get worse on there. Uh, if, okay. if, 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 I'm, if I'm remembering that correctly, we have a lot of debates. So there's a chance I have that flipped, but I'm, I'm fairly certain I wanted to get worse on there. Uh, I thought Wirfs played the best, uh, was the best right tackle in the league last year. Yeah, and tackle is a position where usually it's a, it's a long on ramp for a rookie. Usually, it takes a year or two to get settled. The idea that he would be that good as a rookie, I, it's not really a, a position where I think you you see a sophomore slump, like barring Mike McGlinchey losing thirty pounds. Like we don't really see tackles come in and be really good early and then struggle afterward. Uh, and yeah. so to me. Uh, it, it was, you know, I, I have 
reason to believe that Werfs is just going to become one of these 10-year dominant tackles who just never is anything but that. And certainly Ryan Ramchek uh, also has that to him. Uh, but for Werfs to do that as a rookie, I think, gives you a, a, a potential arc that puts him up higher than Ramchek. And so nothing wrong with Ryan Ramchek at right tackle, um, but I would have wanted to get Werfs on there. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Although it's hard to make an argument against Ramchick. He's obviously a really, yeah. really good player, one of the best right tackles in the league. And Werfs has only done it for one season. I definitely do like to see more. Just the degree to which he played, um, you know, against the competition that he played on right. an island. I mean, the Bucs just don't – they don't really give him a ton of help. They just don't. Um, and, and this is a drop-back, deep-passing attack. It's It leaves and, you in those situations. And he's coming out of – Iowa, where he had he 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 had a pass set with an with a empty outside shoulder out, no tight end, six times. You yeah. know what I mean? Without like run action, without yeah. play action, and so he just walks into leagues immediately, just like Tom Brady dropping back, and he's just as casual as can be. Ludicrous, yeah. not real football player. I mean, it really. I, mean, I remember first week of training camp, you know, Scott and Mark were down there, and they were like, "I think Joe Haig could." could maybe start after his first two days of practice. They were like, yeah, he's going to, it's going to take some time. And like, by the end of the next week, it was just like, uh, what? Like the coaches were like, right. I mean, just the degree at which he picked everything up. It's just, that's the stuff that makes the scouting so hard. Not that, I mean, you and I, I'm sure we, I think we both liked Werfs a lot um, in the pre-draft process, but it's just hard to like know how quickly, because even if we liked him, we saw like right. he's, he's a little bit raw. Like there's things that need, how quickly is that going to happen? You know, that's part of the situation that just uh, makes this thing so difficult, I think, to figure out at times. Somebody does want to know about what Charlie said, and we did pass wide receiver. We didn't talk about Antonio Brown. Uh, I, was it was just kind of easy to say, okay, well, half a year of production, and then year before it didn't play, we just got to. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure if we remember to talk about him. Is he signed? Oh, yeah. Antonio yeah. Brown's on the team. Oh, yeah. When was he signed? Was he, has he always been signed? No, he was one. Of the, he was the last guy to say. Oh, here Blaine were the last. Blaine Gabbert were the last guys to resign. But it was been right. known that he would sign for about two months now, and then I think about four or five weeks ago, he okay. actually physically signed. Uh, so I, like this is the first time I have thought about Antonio Brown being a Buccaneer in months. And so, oh, yeah, He's certainly, there. like I think Antonio has that level of talent. Sure, uh, yeah. I think right. He should have been in the conversation for sure. I still feel fine with the three that we've got. Yeah, yeah, right, I, Antonio. I, it's tough to re-remember what Antonio Brown is now mm -hmm. separate than what he was when he was with the Steelers because obviously so much has happened between then and now. Yeah. And yeah. he was awesome last season once he learned the offense, but he came in week nine trying to learn the offense while right. playing 20 snaps a game. It was just – I mean, the end of the season, we definitely saw it. Then he was hurt in the playoffs some. And, he, I mean, he obviously made some great plays. I mean, the last couple weeks of the season, he was absolutely lights out. I wouldn't surprise me at all if Antonio Brown's like – if we look back at the season we're like, Oh, I think Antonio Brown was the best receiver on the Bucks this season. Would not surprise me one bit. Wow. But what a problem just, the Buccaneers right. have. <laughs> yeah. It's just hard to say that going into the year right, right now. Like we've only seen so little of him over the last two years compared to these other guys. Uh, but good question, Charlie. He should be he should be mentioned in this uh, situation as well. Mark wants to know is it not possible that Gronk won't start? Oh, double negatives throwing me off. Uh, I think he's saying, could, is it possible that yes. OJ Howard starts over Gronk this year? Thank you. Yes. No, uh, no I don't think so. Uh, Mark, because of the superiority of Gronk as a blocker in this offense, that really, really matters. But I think they're very, very excited about, um, about OJ Howard coming back into the, the connection that he has with, with Tom Brady for sure. That might make this tight end conversation hard at some point, but right now pretty easy at center. You had Ryan Jensen at guard, Ali Marpet, uh, Ryan Ramchick, 
or sorry, Ali Marpet and Eric McCoy. So uh, you have McCoy. Was he the center for the Saints? Yeah, but he's played some guards to so just slide him over. Yeah, no pretty much it was. All right, who are the best three? Uh, right. There's no way we're not taking Ali. There's no way we're not taking Jensen. Um, and so then you, okay, you know Matt Paredes, if you like him that much, if Carolina, even then he's more of a center body type. He's kind of got to stick there. Uh, you know, nothing really in Atlanta that that's impressive on their interior line. Yeah. Eric McCoy is the best interior player for the Saints. Is he big enough to play guard? Yeah. Uh, and so you feel comfortable, you know, in this hypothetical bumping him over. But, right. right, it was looking at best three, and there's absolutely no way that Ryan Jensen's not making that. And so center gets locked up pretty quick. Right. Nope, I got you completely. I think you guys picked a, a really good – I mean, there's the whole group. If you look at the offense, you guys picked 10 of the 11 are Bucks or Saints players. And then, what, mm-hmm. six are Bucks and five or four are Saints – on offense, yep. and then you had one Panthers, the to Christian McCaffrey. So no Falcons on offense, which is somewhat ironic because that's the side of the ball that they actually right. have talent which, on. Right, Julio would have made it, and they got rid of Julio. Uh, and okay, maybe Kyle Pitts is great. Even if he's great, he's not going to be Gronk. Uh, right. We're generally not trying to take rookies. Uh, Calvin Ridley very well could have made it. The one thing that even when they had Julio and people were like, they're going to be really good is the fact that none of the offensive linemen are even even remotely in this conversation. Uh, yeah. The Falcons offensive line was bad last year and they have an offensive coordinator or a head coach now whose offense, Arthur Smith is going to ask Matt Ryan to take deep drops in the pocket. Uh, interior rush is going to light him up. Uh, do not think that the Falcons offensive line would have been good enough to sustain the lofty expectations people had for them even before the Julio trade. Mm-hmm. And now uh, you hope that Ryan can get rid of the ball quick to Pitts and Ridley. But I think that that offensive line is going to be a problem for them at first. So you think that that it will might be Arthur Smith's biggest hurdle in his first year as head coach yeah. in Atlanta is that offensive line navigating it. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you look at what the Titans even did in the running game, they drafted a college tackle and Nate Davis out of Charlotte and then put him at guard. Uh, and then when they wanted to run their inside zone and their duo scripts, they ran it behind him because uh, they had Roger Saffold at the other guard spot, didn't play as well as he maybe had with the Rams. So he was much more so an outside zone kind of a guy. They needed size up mm. front. They needed dense body types. You're going to have those those double team blocks and you're going to have the that sustained deep pocket drops. Not what Atlanta has up front right now. Matt Hennessy as no. a sub 300 pound player. Uh, they just brought in Drew Dolman uh, to also compete for that center job. It's a sub 300 pound player. If Dolman wins it, Hennessy playing at guard, at 295, at 300. Yeah. Uh, they, they, that's not big enough. It's very might eat that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I, I think that we'll be talking in the 2021 offseason into the 2022 draft about how the Falcons' priority is to get bigger up front. Interesting. Uh, James wants to know what Calvin Ridley. I'm not sure what that question fully means, but we have addressed <laughs> Calvin Ridley. Go back a little bit earlier in the pod. Yeah. Uh, the Calvin Ridley, the plays for the Falcons at wide receiver, and he, he is good, good but again, it's like this is a tough group to crack for sure. Mm-hmm. Andy, Andy wants to know about uh, Stephon Gilmore. Guys, have you already addressed the cornerback Stephon Gilmore's chances of joining the Bucks D this year if he can fit under the cap? I mean, we have talked about another pods could not fit under the cap as it currently is. Don't think the Bucks have much interest in going away from the group that they have right now. They like that group a lot. Having said that, though, Ben, let's just knock this out right now. You've thought about the Gilmore thing, I'm sure. Some. What do you think? Like, it, 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 he's holding out right now. It, 
Mm-hmm. Seems unlikely. I don't know. Maybe it gets resolved. But New England seems like they would be more positioned to move on from for some type of return. Does it surprise you? I guess, first of all, does it surprise you that that hasn't happened yet? And second, do you see any potential destinations for him? Doesn't surprise me that it hasn't happened yet. You generally try to keep good players in the building for as long as possible. Stephon Gilmore was Defensive Player of the Year 2019. Uh, try to keep him in the building. Doesn't really matter how strong the rest of your secondary is. Oh, Nuggets awake. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> yeah. But if um, you knew Gilmore wasn't going to show, like if he had made his right. position clear, I then guess yeah, maybe they're negotiating. Right. I don't know. Then, yeah. The thing is, I would be very surprised if Belichick is willing to trade Gilmore to a competitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get a first back from Gilmore from a team that thinks they're competing that maybe isn't as much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You call up your old buddy uh, Vrabel and you say, hey, your, D- your your team's so much better than it was last year. Just you need better corners. So give me a first for Stephon Gilmore. And then the right. Titans win nine, ten games. They usually do. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I think that the first team on Belichick's list that he would not want to trade Gilmore to is probably Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah. And so <laughs> even if Gilmore gets traded, I, I doubt that, that they would be willing to dream to competitor. Also, uh, you already have an elite corner on Carlton Davis. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Big Carlson Davis guy. Oh, okay. Do you want? Do we want to? Do we want to jump there? I mean, let's go to corner then. Let's talk about. Right. Let's let's keep this going. You guys selected corners Carlton Davis and Marshawn Lattimore for the outside corners in this group. I'm trying to think through off the top of my head right now, and I'm competition for this. Right? It was pretty clearly Lattimore and Davis. Yeah. I mean, even no. if you didn't like Davis, it would have been easy. Yeah, and and no, Davis got in before Marshawn did as well. Uh, Davis has been yeah. Uh, at least for me, it would. Uh, oh, yeah? yeah? Let's talk I, about it. Davis has been playing really good ball uh, over the last year and a half. Marshawn Lattimore played really well as a rookie. And since then, it's been a little bit more touch and go. Uh, and since then, it's been a little bit more in terms of drawing penalties, uh, especially when you play them both up at the line of scrimmage, which that's what the Saints asked from Lattimore, and it's what the Bucks asked from Davis. Or at least when the Bucks got smart, it's what they started asking <laughs> from Davis. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, Davis is, is is better built for that, better suited for that, and more yeah. successful there. Uh, Lattimore's still a really good corner. It's just the mercurial, na- mercurial nature of the yeah. position has Davis on top right now. And that roller coaster is going to keep riding. You know what I mean? Every mm-hmm. single year, we've got a different list of top 10 corners. And that's because the position is just so hard to play well consistently at a high level. It goes Jalen Ramsey and you get that, that's how, like Stephon Gilmore, I said, 2019 Defensive Player of the Year. 2021, the same. Uh, and and some of that has to do with how much target you're getting. Some of that has to do with what the defense is asking of you. But for right now, yeah, uh, if I needed to cover a number one receiver on third and five, I'd want Carlton Davis before Marshawn Lattimore. We'll see where we are next year. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Good point, I think, especially about corner play year to year. Very tricky and a big reason why I would be little – I would be pretty – shooketh to trade if you say gilmore's worth a first i would be shooketh to trade a first for gilmore oh you think being. some team is going to spend a first on, on stefan gilmore guaranteed I, I don't disagree with you yeah. i i would not want to be that team i think is what i'm saying Maybe, not that actually. i don't think gilmore's good i do but he is i think he's over 30 now and just reality is that that position it's not like gilmore's been revis his whole career right? i want to say he's 29 is he 29 maybe i always right. think gilmore maybe he's turning in, 30 i always think gilmore came into the league way earlier than he did uh he was like he was like a okay not, he's 30 and he uh, will be 31 uh on week two i believe okay so i'm an idiot then yeah gilmore's old <laughs> don't trade for him well i just uh, he wasn't the same last year and it yeah. wasn't like he was like defensive player of the year conversation his whole career he, he had a great year in 2019. He played well the year before that too. But it's like mm-hmm. you said, the hot spots at corner out there, 
I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, plus, right. the, plus, there's only one year left on his deal, I'm pretty yeah. sure. So I would be sure. Yeah, the uh, best yeah, way to be do sure. it is how the Bucks have done it. Every year, yeah. second round pick, third round pick. Just go yeah, ahead. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, depending on the, the where you're at in the draft and who's on the board, obviously. But the way that they poured resources in a position that's pretty fluid year to year mm-hmm. is definitely smart. So, okay, so you're a big Davis fan. I also, huge Carlton Davis fan. I said he was the most valuable, not the best, but the most valuable player on the Bucks defense last season because of the role he plays for them. And the fact that the other corners on their team were kind of all over the place uh, during the year. Uh, uh, I agree with you on Lattimore too. Good points there. The funny thing for Bucks fans is he's always lights out against the Bucks. Like he just the, uh, the Lattimore Evans <laughs> rivalry is one of my favorite things just in the yeah. NFL. Good old fashioned corner hates wide receiver rivalry. Just we every every year in a very like legitimate, not cliched way, those games get circled, and that's just so yeah. much fun to me. Right. I agree with you. It is a blast. Uh, it has been pretty one-sided. Uh, Evans did have a touchdown last year, but overall, Lattimore's had a lot of success against mm-hmm. Evans. Uh, it's been a tough one for Evans to kind of solve, I think, uh, throughout his career uh, for a plethora of reasons, probably. It's not all been Evans. I, I, somebody, James said he gets in Mike Evans' head. There might be some truth that Evans is an emotional player, I think, and Lattimore definitely thrives on that aspect of things for sure so yeah good good analysis there uh eric says have you noticed a difference in teams looking more for cornerbacks who will follow the star receiver compared to having a corner play a particular side i think there's always that emphasis right you always would love mm-hmm. for your corner to be able to follow if possible i would i would assume most yeah teams so the corner on a particular side thing is a fragment of the seattle defense right legion of boom uh 2010s yeah and some of that has to do with the technique that you're playing there in terms of that press coverage and working those kick steps, it, it not dissimilarly to a offensive tackle. There is a little bit of handedness there. There's mm-hmm. a little bit of the more comfortable you are. Every time they release the outside, it's to my left shoulder and I work my feet to that side every single time that you get more comfortable in that in general, the league wants and always has wanted corners. who can follow. Doesn't mean they have to follow. Doesn't mean you follow every week, but mm-hmm. if you, that guy is obviously going to be more valuable because you can choose to leave him on a side or choose to have him follow. As opposed to if we're just going to build a right corner and a left corner, we're stuck with that. We don't have the ability to go elsewhere. So yeah. in I would say in most cases, it's always going to be follow the star receiver. Yep. Gives, ter- gives you options yeah. as Herb Brooks would say. Uh, Antoine Winfield and Marcus Williams at safety. Trying to think through quickly really ready to enter that conversation, huh? I mean, he's not really is kind of as a safety. I don't know what you call him. I, I lost your audio for a second. Who are we talking about? Uh, I said, Jerry, I had safety. I was just saying Antoine Winfield and Marcus Williams being those safeties, pretty clear cut, easy decision in my mind. I'm trying to think through if Falcons kind of like lost their safeties turnover. Jeremy there. Chin and Antoine Winfield, obviously so two guys who are rookies. Chin, super valuable. Uh, Antoine Winfield, super valuable. Chin is a little bit more valuable because he's a skeleton key. Whereas mm-hmm. Winfield's a little bit more of a traditional safety and has those traits. And because we have Chauncey Gardner Johnson for our kind of flex spot, uh, yeah. we, we knew we'd have two corners, two safeties, two linebackers. And then that seventh spot in the back seven, we kind of left open for each division. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, one of the best nickel cover players in the league right now, technically a safety has the necessary length to go up against the tight end and whatever. So a lot of the stuff that the Panthers like in Jeremy mm-hmm. Chin, you also have in Chauncey. He's not as much of a blitzer linebacker type, but it's okay. It's just that that, so much of what Chin brings is his versatility, and we didn't feel like we needed it as much. Uh, and that, that, like I said, that skeleton key lineup everywhere sort of way. So Chin and Winfield was was a conversation for sure. Um, and yeah, I think that 
for Winfield, uh, not dissimilar to Worfs, to be as impactful as he was in year mm-hmm. one, the headiness required to be successful as a Todd Bowles safety is just, again, very, yeah. very difficult to identify and inexplicable and annoying. Yeah, <laughs> that's one way to say it for sure. Do want to let people know about our friends over at my bookie one action packed event, two title fights and hundreds of ways to win. UFC 263 is going down this weekend. And if you're scrambling to place your bets, problem solved MyBookie.ag as you covered better yet, use that promo code pewter P E W T E R to make sure you are keeping up with all the latest bets over at MyBookie. If you want NBA and NHL playoff action, MyBookie has no shortage of game lines, championship futures, and they've got the best player props in the industry. Sign up and use that promo code, Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, to grab yourself some extra funds on top of your deposit and start your day off with a win. That's extra cash in your account so you can bet the best games and events all summer long. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with our friends over at my bookie. Speaking of throwing down some money, Ren Daxt is throwing down some money. Another $5 super chat from Ren. We appreciate that. And we appreciate Eric as well with the $10 super chat. Ren says, just let Ben know we will finish this two steps twice conversation at the 2022 Shrine Bowl oh. practices. Hashtag everything is delicious. Thank you, Ren. Big I appreciate Ren. that. Ren, big shout out with the, uh, with the, uh, with the $5 super chats. This Arif Hassan guy is back at it again. He says, crazy that this 12-year-old would have a bias against younger players. It is, it is 3.40 in the afternoon where Arif is. He has nothing better to do as a Minnesota Vikings beat writer than watch a Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast and make jokes about how young I look. It's 3.40 on a Tuesday. Not, not even original content. Go take going a right for your age. Hate to see it. Um, the linebacker situation, Levante David and Demario Davis. I agree with you, mm-hmm. but you said the flex spot was their conversation with the way Devin White finished the season. I know, yes, all year I was leading that charge. He's not as good as kind of the rep, rep says. He's top five pick, and so that's kind of boosting him right now. But there was no doubt the flashes of talent were there. And then in the last you know six, seven games of the year that he played in was like a totally different player. Did that play a part in this, or was it pretty clear you were going with the DB for that? that flex spot in general you want to go db just because the nature of nfl defense is you're gonna have five dbs on the field more often you're gonna have three linebackers Mm -hmm. uh right trevor and i are are both in the same boat with devin white i'm probably even like at the mast of the boat because i didn't like devin white coming out uh Mm -hmm. the mast is in the middle i'm at the front whatever it's called uh you're the part of the boat that's at the back i'm 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 very austere on the boat that's right posterior Um, boat yeah I uh, I just yeah I love the fact that when he makes mistakes he has so much physical talent that he's able to account for them. That is an awesome thing. It makes him a very high floor player because even he's got this variance to him. He makes these mistakes, but because he's got such closing speed, it, he's able to erase some of those issues. Right. With that said, those issues are there. Uh, and if there was were a different division, and we talked in the beginning about some of the linebacker cores and how how we had to go. Uh, I don't want to say dumpster dive and that's rude, but we had to go for some, some lower options. Sure. Uh, Devin white would have been no brainer picks in those divisions. However, he's in a division with uh, Levante David and Demario Davis. And yeah. so it's just not what you can do. Those two are, are high, po- high quality athletes, polished veterans, proven guys. So if Devin white gives me a 17 game season of what we got in the playoffs, whole conversation, let's go right, uh, right. at this stage, still, still too much too early. Right. Uh, I mean, it's ascending fine player. To find a yeah. way. Right. Ascending player. It's fine to label him that and, and wait to see if that can happen. 
And I think that's pretty reasonable. But you look at this edge defender group that you guys selected, Shaq Barrett, Cameron Jordan. Um, again, this is a situation where I know you like Brian Burns. We all like Brian Burns. Everybody likes Brian Burns out there. Right. But it was just uh, it's pretty right. hard. If and, you're doing yeah. two edge defenders, how do you how do you? I'd love for off? this to be Brian Burns next year. At this yeah. point, we had uh, Shaq Barrett, who, you know, did he have 18 and a half sacks this year? No, but he did last year. Uh, and then Cameron Jordan, who's not only just as a pass rusher, but in terms of line of scrimmage production, being able to generate TFLs, uh, has been one of the most Eddie steady players over the last mm-hmm. however long. Um, that echelon of edge is where Brian Burns wants to get and seems like he's well on his way. However, uh, you know, was a lighter player coming in. He's got to learn some of the finer points of run defense. He's... Not, uh, not unlike Devin White, very clearly an ascending player. Hopefully he's going to be in the conversation uh, at the end of this upcoming season, but tough to argue with the body of work uh, for, for the more established players. I agree with you on that. I don't think that there's any mm-hmm. argument. As, as much as you can recognize, JPP's done some good things and um, and uh, that uh, Brian Burns is an ascending player. It's hard to put anybody past those two right now for sure, especially the way Barrett played in the postseason. That matters too. Uh, do you want to play a fun game real quick? Let's do it. Name the Falcons edges who, who are, are just like, yeah, <laughs> you, you report on this division. You report on this division, right? So none of them are in the conversation. Big one and thing too. Right. No but idea. like, okay. So they have one big contract guy, Dante Fowler. Right. 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 Yes. Do you know anybody else is on the depth chart at edge? Gosh. Uh, no, right? I it's really absurd. don't think so. I mean, this is who not is a, it? This is Let's not look a it up right now. Lacks. So it's Jacob, uh, Two oh, two Mariner. Two Mariner. Yes. Yep. Okay. They His have Barkevius Mingo. Oh so, yes. Yeah. The new M- Mingo's been on like How seven is he different teams still in, seven in the years. league. I, yeah, I don't know. He's been on so many teams. Uh, they have John Bullard, Stephen Means. They drafted uh, Ade Ogundeji out of Notre Dame. Who I kind of oh, liked. I didn't know Stephen Means was there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, John Kaminsky was like a two ninety pounder. But yeah, that's 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 their edge group. Oh, this is not a position. Starts? This is not even a position that's lacking talent in the league. They just no. don't. They don't have anybody. The foul for Fowler to finesse the contract he did after Vic Beasley finessed the fifth year option is astounding to me. It's incredible. What so many bad decisions. Oh my god. And I actually don't even think Dimitrov is like all bad, but there's not much defense for what he did his last couple of years in Atlanta. It was it was pretty brutal, some of those moves. And I don't know what they're gonna do with Fowler because he's not a guy that's gonna suddenly be like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna start. Putting in 110% every day. <laughs> Fowler's got a bag when Fowler probably knows he should not have gotten a bag. There's no way. Yeah, this, it's the, it's a wrap for Fowler, I think. But I cannot believe that Barkevius Mingo is still out there. Like, just, I mean, I remember just he was a bust like five, six years ago. It was just like, he's bust. He's going to be out of the league. And he just keeps, he finds the weakest DN groups in the league <laughs> and he just latches on. He was like, with the, the Texans Seattle last year. And Texas, yeah. Yes, Houston and. There right. you go. It's just, it's just Listen, the next go. coach he gets will be the coach to unlock him, right? You watch. No, that's, that's yes, <laughs> absolutely it'll happen. Vita Vea and Grady Jarrett at D tackle. That had to be the easiest one, right? I mean, yeah. I, there's, there's some other good players, but come on. Those are yeah, those are also, two of the top right. seven guys in the league. Yeah, and also it it works very well from like a body type and role perspective, oh, yeah. right? Grady, a little bit undersized, not the best run defender. Let's put him less to Vita. Uh, <laughs> we Jeez. don't have to worry about that at all. If those um, guys ever got to play together, it would just be yeah. Which, you know, in a different division, I would have loved to have gotten my soapbox about David Onyemata for a little bit because I uh-huh. think he's a really good ball player. doesn't Me get too. talked about enough, but uh, is not a, right, a tier one defensive tackle, which when we're talking about 
one tags, nose tackles, Vita Vey is tier one. And then we're talking about mm-hmm. rush three tags, Grady Jarrett's tier one. So shout out David Onyemata for being very good. Go to a worse division and maybe you'll get to come to Antarctica for a year. Uh, however, right. you know, Vita and, and Grady, yeah, the defense was, was pretty cut and dry, which again, I think it had five saints, five bucks, uh, and then the Falcon, Grady Jarrett. Um, but it was easier than the offense for sure. Not for a lack of depth, just the numbers ended up that way that it was, it was a little bit cleaner. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely think that it, I was surprised that on the surface Atlanta defensively, I did not think that they would, but then you look at Grady Jarrett and you're like, Oh yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And obviously they have a good player in Deion Jones too. Um, you know, but, but uh, they, you know, one player for Atlanta and these 22 starters, one player for the Panthers and these 22 starters, and the rest, the other 20 are Bucks and Saints. And that you kind of just leads us to like looking at the division and saying the Saints are just still a really good team. But right. the quarterback question that kind of it takes it. I think Bucks Saints has become one of the best rivalries in football over the last year, just because of the Jameis thing. You've got the Lattimore Evans thing. Now you've got the Carlton Davis, Michael Thomas angle, and they're talking third matchup they met in the playoffs they kind of ended drew Brees' career like that's you know that's a whole storyline you got levante david late in the game like barking over to kamara on the bench saying like i want you get back out on this field like yeah after he hit Ty montgomery and so it's just like you've got all this back and forth right and all this stuff on twitter and it just feels like one of those great rivalries except now the saints just have this huge question a quarterback yeah, that could keep right it. That's the thing is you look at it from an accounting numbers perspective and you're like the Saints and the Bucks loaded teams. And then you realize that there was no conversation at quarterback at all. And it's like, oh, you know what I mean? That's that's going to be that deciding factor. Right. I still think this like because it's a division game, because you know your opponent, because you've been working so hard to beat your opponent. I still very well think that, you know, the Saints will play the Bucks close. All you need is a weird Jameis game slash, you know, three explosives from Taysom Hill. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it becomes a four-quarter game. That's how it yep. always is in the divisions. Bucks fans will know. We, one Falcon made it on this list, and yet playing the Falcons is always a, 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 an endeavor. So when it's your division, those those games that look like maybe they should have big discrepancies always get a little bit more narrow. Bucks and Saints are too talented to, to, to lose games that easily. But, yeah, the Saints had a long time to come up with the correct Drew Brees ascension handoff plan. Right. And I'm not sure that they have it. And that, <laughs> Yeah, that could be to their detriment because obviously they don't have the money to to do a quick flex, do a quick reload. Uh, if Jameis slash Taysom isn't it, then they're looking down the barrel of a couple years to rebuild this thing. Right. It's uh, it is going to be one of those conversations with the Saints that when do they make that move if those guys aren't it? Because the draft is going to become at some point, you know, the, the course by which they seem like they need to act with their cap situation. Hard to envision a trade unless they're getting rid of a Lattimore or a Thomas or a Toronto Armstead, which I, I've mentioned before. A Toronto Armstead trade, to me, it looks like a situation that makes a lot of sense for the Saints, uh, even by the deadline, if they're not yep. competing. Because I gonna... gave them a tackle in round one of a mock draft in like mm. January, and people yeah. were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, they might not be able to extend Ramcheck, and if they do, they might have to trade Toronto Armstead. Right. And that was not taken well. I but think you're this... I think you're on to it. I'm. Sp- it hasn't happened yet. Right. But I think you're on to it. I, I just I look at that situation. If they start, you know, two and three or something like that, you have to start thinking about your options and you you need to be able to clear space for other moves. You need to be able to get something for assets. And 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 Armstead is still clearly a guy you could get a first round pick for, I think. 
right. even with some of his injury stuff in the past. So um, it will be the Saints whole situation is something the Bucks will love to watch because for years they were victimized by the Saints. And now the sheet you know, the, is really the script is completely flipped almost um, And the Saints. Like you said, I believe those games will be close. Wouldn't surprise me if the Saints steal one, to be honest. But right. I definitely think that overall there are two teams kind of heading in different directions right now. Um, but what happens with the future of quarterback for both is going to be um, very, very important, obviously, uh, for seeing how this whole thing works out. Hey, Pewter Report fans, we promised you earlier in the show that we would tell you about a special opportunity to win some free Celsius. I know that interests most of you. Now that time has come. The Pewter Report podcast is excited to announce a brand new giveaway from Celsius and Fast Brands in which 10 winners will receive one box of Fast Protein Bars. These are the flavors you get to choose if you win. Salted Caramel Peanut Crunch. Mmm or white chocolate cookies mm. and cream mm, as well. I've tried both of them. I love both of them. I will get a little plug for the salted caramel because I love it, but I think both of them are terrific. The taste, though, the taste, it always is about this taste. Can't believe how good they taste for protein bars or just for anything. They taste like candy bar, honestly. Um, and you get one box of those and one case of your preferred flavor Celsius energy drink. So you get to pick the flavor, too, of both. So that's terrific. You get a box and a case uh, of e of both of those things to enter. All you have to do is go and enter your name and email at celsius.com slash pewter. Right up there on the screen, celsius.com slash pewter, your name and your email. It's all you got to do. It's truly that simple. And the link is in the YouTube description below. I'll have it in there uh, after the show. Grab the link and do it now because winners for this giveaway will be selected on June 22nd. So that is what the end of this week. So don't miss out on this. Grab that link, put name and email. It's all you got to do. You're in and you got a chance to win a box of these unbelievable protein bars and the, uh, your flavor that you want to pick of Celsius. So it's a great opportunity. Make sure you check that out and enter that, uh, that contest uh, today. That'll be really good stuff from Celsius as always. Okay, Ben. So you had all these teams go head to head in these divisional battles. And what happened? What was the outcome of, of these divisional battles between these super teams? Yeah, so the uh, NFC South team, which they were the Deception Island Penguins, I think was, was their eventual team name. <laughs> Who came uh, up with the names? I did. I had to get done doing that. Uh, they made it all the way to the final uh, where they faced the AFC West, which was a team that had uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing to Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, Travis Kelsey, and Darren Waller behind an offensive line with like Joe Tooney, Orlando yeah. Brown, Dalton Reisner. Uh, Vaughn Miller, Chris Jones, no Joey Bosa, Bradley Chubb, Derwin James, Kyle Fuller, Tron Matthew, Justin Simmons on the defense. Yeah. Another stacked team. Uh, when the fans did the voting, they had the AFC West, who was our two seed, beat out the NFC South, which was our one oh. seed. Uh, and it was like 56% uh, AFC West, 44% NFC South. For mm -hmm. Trevor and I, it was... I was about to say closer to a coin flip, but that's already pretty close. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was close to a coin flip. We struggled to to talk our way through the secondary in the NFC South being able to cover Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, Travis Kelsey, and Darren Waller, which like mm -hmm. nobody can. And if you're going right. to sit in zone, it's Patrick Mahomes. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you could have Levante David and Demario Davis, who are two of the better zone cover defenders or linebackers, excuse me, in the league. Uh, still, it's difficult to have full faith in that. So, we ended up saying, yeah, that AFC West might score too many points. But it, it was funny that it ended up Brady versus Mahomes with so many Bucks and so many Chiefs because it was basically just like take Super Bowl 54. Was this yep. last one? 54 and just soup 55. it up to like a 12, yeah. 55. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so we ended up, yeah, that second seed AFC West with a bit of the upset win, but it's that's that's actually what I was going to point out to you. I was like, man, it's funny that it ended up yeah. being like I did the seat. I did. The, I did. I did the seating, and I had the NFC South as the top seed, and I thought they were the best team. Yeah. But the more Trev and I talked about it, the more we were like, man, I'm not sure how anybody gets any yeah. stops anywhere. Uh, I, I agree with you. Neither corner group is unreal or anything. You're not that, you know, like you said, the position's so fluid in today's league. But Darby starting for the AFC West. Oh, I don't know. I mean, Darby's a decent player, but I just think of the other there Bucks was somebody, carving there was, him up in the playoffs. There was somebody else that we – there was another corner we were discussing. I can't remember who it was. Oh, it wasn't Bryce Callahan. It was somebody. Um, But, yeah, Darby had that – Darby had like a decent-ish season for Washington, mm. and now he's in Denver, and it's tricky. Yeah, corner mm. two was we for them. We manipulated their defensive front so that we got – Vaughn, Chris Jones, Joey Bosa, Bradley Chubb, and Yannick Ngakwe all on the team, which was... Yeah, Joey Bosa has definitely yeah, cheated. We, we, have, we have Joey Bosa and Bradley Chubb playing 3-4 defensive ends, and then Vaughn and Yannick rushing off the edge, which is just an absolute wood chipper of a front. We have only one linebacker on the team, yeah. but it's fine. That's funny. That definitely, yeah, that definitely swings things maybe a little bit. But still, here's what I come back to. In the trenches... Ooh, I mean, obviously the D line on the West is good, but I, both D lines are great. But offensive line, that's a big swing in my opinion. Like mm. to me, I think the South has legitimately. You could make an argument: Jensen's best center in the league, top three center in the league. Marquette's yeah, yeah, yeah. in that top guard conversation. Ramchick, Armstead, and if Worfs is on here too, you know, just to say hypothetically, you know, if you're just to put, picking your best five, and McCoy's a good player too, but if you you know bump Ramchick to guard or whatever, and you're putting Worfs out here too. You, I mean, if that the start that potential starting offensive start. line, yeah, that's yeah. A, those battles against Vaughn and Bosa and Chris Jones would be. Listen, disgusting. all we need is massive Earth problems. We'll get to see this in Antarctica it's, next year. So that's I what mean, we're we're rooting for. I mean, I'm definitely rooting for it. I think the offensive line, though, of the West, it's a, it's a good group, but there's no tier one players here to me, in my opinion. Orlando Brown, Brian Bulaga, Corey Lindsley, not a tier Joe one Tooney. center for you. Maybe, maybe Lindsay's a good player. I like Lindsay. he's probably the best one in this group. I think. I think Tooney's a good player too. Definitely. I'm about to say Tooney, Tooney, Tooney to me is tier one for sure. Yeah, there's, there's a, it's a good group, but I, I definitely think that Tooney, yeah, Tooney would, Tooney would struggle with Vea as a matchup, maybe in my opinion. But yeah, everybody be, struggles with Vea as a matchup. True. Now. That's true. Good point. Um, no, no, it's great stuff. I, I was really fun to think through. I love the summer content in, in the NFL stratosphere because it's just like that kind of stuff right like it's just like let's let's talk mm-hmm. about like fun wild content ideas let's make top 100s let's do you know player rankings let's do all that kind of stuff um because right. you know we can this time of year that's what that's what it comes gotta down find to, so. something for the people to argue about that's right exactly if we're not arguing we're not doing it right for sure so ben i appreciate you taking the time man i know i hope you're getting to relax some and stuff uh now that the draft is over and everything's kind of quiets down for a little bit of a month hopefully you get to relax a little bit here yeah, we, we we do our best. You know what I mean? It's uh it's uh there's always something to be doing. So yeah, I got I'm a vacation sure. in July that I'm looking forward to. Nice, good stuff, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing your insight and for this fun exercise that you and Trevor did. We definitely appreciated it. I know a lot of Bucks fans were very intrigued by it, and it was probably pretty exciting for them to see that their their team populated most of that NFC South roster, that that starting lineup uh that you guys put together. So it's pretty cool stuff. It'd be fun to build it out into full rosters too, but Maybe we'll save that for another time and uh, and see what we can do. But and to join us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.
Absolutely. Ben Solak from the Draft Network and Locked On NFL Draft Podcast does terrific work. Make sure that you follow him on socials and check his work out on those formats as well. We'll be back tomorrow. Matt and I will be here. We will have thoughts on the box. We've got some discussion topics we're currently texting and, and, and developing as we go. But we're at, tomorrow's going to be a fun show, I think. Uh, we're going to have some good topics and good conversation in the show. And we'll be back Thursday as well. I think we're having a guest on Thursday. We're trying to wait for a for a final word from a potential guest, maybe a totally new guest on Thursday that uh, that uh, I think will be really exciting for people. So trying to nail that down and figure out if we're going to be able to do that on Thursday. But going to be a fun rest of the week. As always, um, we appreciate you all jumping in here for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out.